Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here today, and we're going to be talking about the Colts-Broncos Thursday night game tonight, how that might look a little different than what we were expecting going into the game. Then Baker Mayfield says he's got to turn it around, but criticism is completely fair. I react to that. And yesterday, I went through each NFL team and ranked them based on tiers. I put out four tiers for the NFL since we're a quarter of the way done through the season. But today, since we're also a quarter of the way done, I'm going to look at my MVP picks, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. Oh, who is the favorite right now? How does that stack up to who I picked and what we thought going into the season? Then I'll react to Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole in practice. Is that significant? And then I'm going to make some baseball postseason predictions. Who do I have winning the World Series? All that today. So let's get started with tonight's Colts-Broncos Thursday night game. Big game. There's going to be no Jonathan Taylor on the Colts side. Uh, He is out tonight uh, with an ankle injury. And, of course, no running back for the Broncos either. They're starting running back Javante Williams out for the year with that ACL injury. So two teams that like to run the ball, and neither of them, I think, will be that effective tonight. So you've got injuries on both sides. This would be an ugly game. Uh, the Colts uh, have out alongside Jonathan Taylor. Uh, their safety, Julian Blackman, is also out. And then Shaq Leonard, Tyquan Lewis are all out. So big losses for them on both uh, the offensive side, their best offensive player, and some key uh, defensive players there, especially Shaq Leonard, all pro, and Julian Blackman, their safety. Uh, so that hurts them. And then on the Denver side, uh, Javante Williams out for the year after this past week, and then Randy Gregory, uh, their other great linebacker that they have for the Broncos, is going to be out. So who knows what's going to happen now. Uh, Denver signed Latavius Murray uh, off the Saints practice squad. I don't think he'll is really up to speed. Melvin Gordon has fumbled the ball five times so far. So Mike Boone, is he going to be uh, one to step up? But then again, he couldn't really pick up the blitzes last week, dropped some passes. So I don't think this game is going to be the you know the prettiest game, the best, you know, affair out there. These are two middle of the pack offenses, uh to say the least. Colts are a little better statistically speaking, in terms of yards per game, just by four at 339, Denver Broncos at 335. They're still middle of the pack, uh, but they're both not offensive world beaters, and when both teams are missing key guys, that's going to be huge for them down the stretch. But, you know, it is surprising, even though the Colts, Broncos are bottom half of the league, middle of the pack, whatever you prefer, even though they're below 16 there. They are higher than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Rams. So, hey, they got that going for them. Uh, So that's not bad at all. But I think the Broncos are going to win tonight. That's why I'm picking uh, to win this game. They're a three-point favorite. That's usually what you get for being a home favorite in general. And odds makers know Indy. Is a good team. They got a good defense. Both of these teams have good defenses, even though they struggle on offense. They're both top ten uh, in terms of you know yards per game. Uh, both allowing under three hundred yards per game. Uh, Denver allowing seventeen points. Indianapolis twenty one. So Denver's defense is just a touch better. And I think that's what this game is going to come down to. Defense. Uh, Denver was able to win a tight contested defensive battle a couple weeks ago against the Niners when they won 11-10. to 10. Last week, their offense 
looked a little better against the Raiders, but their defense didn't look great. I think Denver is going to win tonight. I think uh, just with the injuries Indianapolis is facing, uh, their best offensive player is going to be a heavy dose of Matt Ryan. And when he's turned the ball over, they've lost. Uh, I don't think he can throw it out 50 times a game uh, tonight and expect to win. And then with the defense out, Shaq Leonard, uh, especially uh, operating that middle of the field, I'm going to look for Russell Wilson to hit a lot of intermediate routes, uh, play very efficient down the middle of the field. I expect him to get some running in going, whether it's a read option, play action, uh, using Russell Wilson and his legs more. I think Denver, uh, being at home, that's another big advantage. And Denver's going to get out of here being 3-2. and two. Well, my uh, preseason pick to win the AFC South, uh, the Denver Broncos stumbles down to 1-3-1. and one, Not looking good. So I got Denver winning tonight. And I do think it's going to be a close game. Both teams haven't played great. Uh, but I think they get the win, the Denver Broncos. And speaking of not uh, playing great, uh, Tom Brady was asked about the parity of the NFL. Uh, you know, a lot of teams are 2-2 two and two right now. You know, is the NFL sort of uh, tightened up? And Tom Brady had a great response. Uh, he said that, you know, he watches a lot of bad football. That's what he's seen early on this season. He says he's seen a poor quality of football. Uh, and Tom Brady was keeping it as real as possible. Tom Brady watches NFL games. It's not just him focused on his team. Uh, he has his eyes around the league, and he acknowledges that there's been a lot of ugly football. And, you know, you don't have to ask Tom Brady right now how he really feels because uh, that's how he really feels. And I agree, we have seen some ugly football. Yes, we've seen a lot of close games this Past week, you know, we were saying that, hey, you know, this Sunday, going into the fourth quarter, uh, every game except for the Rams-Bucks, it was a one-possession game going into the fourth quarter. But again, it's a lot of ugly football. Uh, let's start with the Bengals, uh, you know, Bengals-Dolphins game. That game was ugly in general with the Tua injury, but the Bengals really started off the season ugly uh, as well. They haven't looked like a team that went to a Super Bowl that year. Uh, you know, Dolphins started off 3-0, looked really good, but had that bad loss to the Bengals as well. Uh, Seahawks-Lions, that's self-explanatory. Lions defense is terrible. Uh, Seahawks are kind of in a rebuilding year. Uh, yes, Geno Smith has a high pass rating right now. But that's not going to last. This team's not going to last. Chiefs have looked really good, but they had a bad loss to the Colts. Vikings beat the Saints by three points. That game, they didn't look great. And a loss to the Eagles, they looked pathetic. Uh, And then the Saints as well. Jameis Winston, they've turned the ball over a lot. Um, Browns-Falcons, both teams 2-2. and Both teams have not looked good. It all offensively, Browns outside their rushing game really don't. Uh, Cowboys have looked sloppy, Commanders as well. Uh, can't keep Carson Wentz, uh, you know, give him time to throw. The Titans, Colts, close game. Colts, Matt Ryan throwing a lot of interceptions. Ryan Tannehill throwing interceptions. Bears, Giants. Bears have no semblance of an offense whatsoever. And Giants struggle outside of Saquon Barkley right now. Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, a lot of turnovers. <clears throat> Eagles are 4-0, but they're not a perfect 4-0 team. They've ran the ball a lot. They've run the ball well. Uh, they really haven't had a, you know, situation that's really tested them, had any adversity yet. They've been relatively healthy as well, so you can say that they're really performing the best. Jets Steelers, Jets won by four. Kenny Pickett, some turnovers before that. Mitch Trubisky. Uh, turnovers, but Jets haven't played perfect. Texans, Chargers, Chargers had a comfortable lead, 
They let the Texans come all the way back, and then the Chargers pulled it out. So Chargers aren't world beaters, Cardinals, Panthers, same sort of same sort of thing. Uh, very low scoring into the fourth quarter. It's 26-16 was the final score, but going into the fourth quarter, it was 10-10. At halftime, it was 10-3 Panthers. Again, not a great game offensively for both teams. Patriots-Packers, you know, even Aaron Rodgers said that their style of winning is not sustainable. He has not played well. He hasn't played like the Aaron Rodgers we're used to seeing. Broncos-Raiders, again, Broncos uh, offense didn't look great. Raiders' defense hasn't looked good. Derek Carr's from a ball over him, and Rams haven't looked good, and 49ers have lost to the Bears. So, again, I agree with Tom. Uh, couldn't agree more with them that there's been a lot of bad football tonight. You know, we're not seeing a lot of great football. A lot of teams, you know, right out of the gates, you know, storming, uh, taking it, you know, like, hey, this is a team to really watch out for. Uh, there's no team like that right now. And I think it's due to the poor start uh, for a lot of teams right now. Like the reporter asked Tom, uh, we see a lot of two and two teams. Uh, and when you see a lot of two and two teams like we do now, Tom mentioned it's poor football. Uh, to him, there's a point. But you also say, uh, it's a lack of consistency as well. Uh, it's a lack of rhythm. And that's what we see uh, with certain teams, the Bengals, uh, very inconsistency, offensive line, projecting Joe Burrow, hurts them. The Baltimore Ravens, their pass defense definitely hurts them. Cleveland, their passing attack hurts them. They're a two and two team. Uh, Tampa Bay, I'm going to, you know, Point that to injuries. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't look himself when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are not playing, and that's understandable because uh, those are two great weapons. And then Denver, their offense hasn't looked great. Uh, Chargers as well, their rush defense, I thought was going to be a little short up. It isn't. Atlanta, a team I thought would be 0-2 or 2-2. Two Right there, that's inconsistency. The whole NFC West is 2-2. Two and two. So, again, I'm not saying it's great parity. These things are going to, you know, figure itself out. Uh, it's like when you throw a pebble rock into a river and, you know, you see the ripple effect. But guess what happens? The current corrects itself and we, the river goes about its way whatever it is. So I think it's going to be like this way. It's an SL season. Right now, it's the first uh, month has just ended. Teams are still gelling. They're still figuring things out. Uh, some plays, some calls, some penalties, some injuries, uh, new teammates, just the natural gelling is a rock, and it's had this ripple effect through the first month of the NFL. But I think it's going to correct themselves. Yesterday, I had my list of Super Bowl contenders, not just who I think will be there at the end, but objectively how we look at it right now. I'm there with eight. But, you know, in four weeks when we're halfway through the season, that number could be all the way down to four. Uh, end of the season, you know, we could maybe see two or three Super Bowl contenders. And, you know, we know at that point, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is who's going to the Super Bowl, barring a shocking upset. Uh, this is kind of the general consensus. So, of course, there always seems like more uh, right now. But come uh, playoff time, we'll, we'll be talking about the Eagles in the same breath that we're talking about them now is great. Same with the Miami Dolphins. We just don't know yet. There's still a lot of football to play. That's why football is such a great sport. Now moving on to Baker. Baker, you know, he has just been getting a lot of boos lately across the NFL on his team. Booed last year with the Browns. Now already having the boobers out on him with the Panthers. And like I said, he's been terrible. He's been the 
worst starting quarterback uh, with a QBR of 15. Uh, passer rating also very low. Uh, he's led the offense is one of the worst offenses, the worst offense. So it is completely fair, like he said, that criticism. Uh, and he's got to turn it around. Baker has got to turn it around. This is his last chance. Usually you get one second shot to redeem yourself, and it better work out for you. What we're seeing right now uh, with uh, Jared Goff, we're seeing a good second shot early. He was great, went to a Super Bowl, had a couple of dull years in L.A. His first year in Detroit wasn't good. Entering a contract year, uh, they could cut him next year and just get off of him. And Jared Goff is playing really good football right now, uh, looking like a top-five quarterback in the league. I'm not saying he is, but that's what he's looking like. He's been playing good. Uh you know, he's making the most of his second chance. Baker started off good, great, you know, postseason win against the Steelers. First time in decades that they've had a postseason win. Uh, you know, your last year in Cleveland, dull, doesn't work out. Now you're in Carolina, it's a new start, and you better turn it around with a new team. Because if you're a starter with two teams and you fail both times, very unlikely is it that you get a third time as a starter. You'll be demoted to a backup of sorts. And that's where you'll sort of be for the rest of your career. And be better turn it around for not only his sake, but for Matt Rule's sake, uh, head coach of the Panthers. Uh, you know, he said they meet once a week. Him and Baker talk football, talk life. They've got to know each other. Uh, they both like each other. They both have room for improvement. But Matt Rule has sort of tied his future to Baker Mayfield. Matt Rule was on a very hot seat with the Panthers. Hasn't started his career well there. Uh, last year didn't work out with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. So here we are now. Uh, I meant not with Baker Mayfield last year with uh, Sam Darnold and Cam Newton. So now he's got a new quarterback. And things are still not working out for good old Matt Rule. So, if Baker continues to play bad, Matt Rule keeps his confidence in him. It ain't just going to get Baker fired, but it's going to get Matt Rule fired. And I suggest Matt Rule watches back because Baker might take his, take Matt Rule down with him. Uh, this team has to turn it around, has to turn it around soon. Uh, because that 3-0 and anomaly to start the season last year, uh, you know, doesn't uh, look like anything great is going to happen with Carolina. They play the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers play the 49ers, the Rams, the Bucks. their next three games. They are staring at 1-6. and six. I would be – I don't know – what the odds are for this, but I give the Panthers a 0.01% chance of winning one of their next three games. They're going to start one and six and essentially be out of the playoffs uh, at that point. And who knows if they even beat the Falcons uh, Halloween weekend with how good the Falcons look. So the Panthers have no chance. The odds makers are giving them no chance, even when they're at home against the 49ers this week. Uh, Panthers, it's a struggle for them. It's a struggle for Matt Rule. It's a struggle for Baker Mayfield. And I don't know if I see either of them with the Carolina Panthers after this year. Now moving on to my quarter of the year way through the NFL season awards. We don't hand out awards a quarter of the way through the season. But we can judge and assess where we are at through the quarterway point. Let's start with MVP. My MVP prediction was Josh Allen, followed by Tom Brady, Justin Herbert. Those were my preseason predictions. Where do we stand? The front runner for MVP is Josh Allen. So, so far, 
I feel good about that one. Still feel relatively confident about that. Josh Allen is second in yards. Uh, his QBR is well. He's third, 76. High passer rating, 101. And his completion percentage is also high as well. He has six in that. It's 67%. And then as well, he has thrown 10 touchdowns. 10 touchdowns, so I'll give it to him. Only four quarterbacks have thrown 10-plus touchdowns. It's Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, and Jared Goff. So Josh Allen has been sensational so far this year. Uh, He is playing great, and he is the frontrunner to win MVP. My other pick, Tom Brady. And Josh and Justin Herbert, Tom Brady definitely moved up this week. To me, he's top five. I'm not going to get into top five, and I think Justin Herbert is four. Tom Brady, uh, I think my bad. Tom Brady four, Justin Herbert five. Herbert's have been doing good, but who's number two? Lamar Jackson. Yes, I'll give credit where credit is due. Is Lamar Jackson passing the football a lot? No, uh, he's 21. In, you know, yards, he hasn't reached 1,000 yet, hasn't eclipsed that number. But he has 11 touchdowns. QBR 72 is high as well. His completion percentage is also higher than it has been in the past. So you have that. But he's 21st in passing, and he's ninth in rushing. Uh, Two touchdowns there, 316 yards. Uh, You know, definitely closer to... You know, the three mark that he is, you know, Miles Sanders behind the Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, then he is closer than to, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey down there at 15th. So, Lamar Jackson, great dual threat right now, uh, and he's getting it done. Number three, Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Mahomes magic has been on full display. Let's flush down the loss of the Colts because he put on quite a show against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is fourth, or six in yards per game, uh, 276 passing yards, uh, good completion percentage, 66. Uh, number one in QBR at 82, pass rating 108.4. Patrick Mahomes is doing Mahomes like magic things. It's great to see. It's great to see him out there, and to me, it helps his case that he no longer has Tyreek Hill, one of the most versatile weapons in the NFL. So for Patrick Mahomes to do all that without him speaks a lot to Patrick Mahomes, speaks volumes to him as a player. So those are my MVPs right now. Josh Allen is at one. Lamar Jackson is trailing. Mahomes third. And the reason I'm giving it to Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson that's close but Josh Allen just beat Lamar, looked better than Lamar in Lamar's house. So if there's a tiebreaker to me, that has to go to Josh Allen for that head-to-head victory. And not only that, but what did the stats say about their performance? Josh Allen looked better. Offensive player of the year. Let's move on to that one. My pick to win that was Cooper Cup repeating. How could anyone stop Cooper Cup? I also had Derrick Henry factored in there for the running back. But to me, no running back is really taken away. I got three receivers right now for this award. My favorite right now to win the Offensive Player of the Year award is, drumroll please, it is Tyreek Hill. Yes, Tyreek is leading the league right now by a comfortable margin in receiving yards, 477 total. That is 670 more than the closest behind him, Stephon Diggs. And he's doing this with another great teammate, Jalen Waddell. Is six in receiving yards. Usually, you do not have a pair of teammates like this in the top 10 alone. Uh, but the fact that Tyreek is doing this is great. Uh, the number of you know explosive big plays, 20-plus yard uh, uh, receiving yards, uh, per reception is at eight you know that's great eight is great and you know 
His touchdowns is only at two, so not a super high total. But he is marching them down the field. Uh, catch per play is around six, which is great. So his average, 15.4. He's getting a first down with about every catch he makes. So Tyreek is doing great things. He's making plays, making plays in space. Can't really tackle him. Uh, I got to give it up to Tyreek. And, you know, kind of with Mahomes, how he's doing this without Tyreek. Tyreek is doing this without Mahomes. Again, speaks volumes to Tyreek Hill and just how good and how legitimate of a threat that he is. Next up, Stefan Diggs. He's second. Uh, he's also looked good. He's second in receiving yards at 406, right behind Tyreek Hill. Uh, but he's got four touchdowns. He's also looked really good. That connection there uh, with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is his guy. And Stephon Diggs is a couple years removed from leading the league in uh, receptions, receiving yards. It was great. Let's see if he can continue that momentum again this season because uh, he has a chance to win offensive player of the year. And then third, I am putting Cooper Cup. He's fourth in receiving yards. Again, a ton of targets. Uh, most targeted wide receiver right now, 54 targets. Uh, this is not, you know, the Rams offense. This is the Cooper Cup show with how much time he gets the ball. So when you're that dependent and if they win some games, the Rams' uh, Cooper Cup will deserve to be recognized again as the Offensive Player of the Year. Now for Defensive Player of the Year. My number one right now, my preseason, was Miles Garrett. I don't know if that will happen with Miles Garrett now. Uh, car crash that he was involved in. It looks like he'll miss a few weeks. That'll definitely hurt his stock. Uh, but somebody who has been racking up uh, plays is my number one guy right now, Nick Bosa, leading the NFL in sacks. He's got six so far through four games. He keeps on this pace, and he will be breaking Michael Trahan and TJ Watts shared record there. Uh, he leads the league in pressures as well at 30. Uh, Nick Bosa is doing it all. And this is even more impressive because Nick Bosa does see double teams sometimes at the outside. And this is a defense that usually rushes with four. So it is on you to beat your man and sometimes another guy. And that is what Nick Bosa is doing. That's why I have him at number one. Number two, Von Miller. Von Miller is also in there. Uh, again, he has been phenomenal. Uh, three sacks, a uh, high PFF grade for an outside rusher. And to me, it's the fact that he is a little older. Uh, now, you know, 32, 33 years old. Uh, and, you know, he's doing this. He's the, not only uh, the best Bills defensive lineman, he's also the leader as well. Uh, and, you know, if this team is more revitalized on the defensive side than we saw last year, to me, a big credit does go to Von Miller, where we looked at Von Miller as kind of older, past his prime. Yes, he can help an Aaron Donald, but is he that guy like he was in Denver? Well, Von is answering the call, and he's been absolutely phenomenal. And then third, I got Minka Fitzpatrick. Yes, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, is kind of taken over right now for, uh, excuse me, T.J. Watt. Uh, he has been terrific, uh, hasn't allowed a lot of pass yards and coverage. He's been good and refined in that as a safety. And then you look at week one, the block kick. He's had a couple of interceptions. Amika um, Fitzpatrick is doing everything in his power to try to win football games even though he is on the defensive side of the ball. So Minka Fitzpatrick is right there at three. My offensive rookie of the year. Before the season, I said, no quarterbacks don't look great. Running backs as well was in a great class. I said, I'm going with two wide receivers, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. And through four weeks, that's who it still is. It's Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. Take your pick. I think I'll take Chris Olave because of the receptions and yards and how he fits into that system more. If you want Garrett Wilson, fine. But I'll take Chris Olave. Uh, both of these guys uh, have been great for your team. 
Garrett Wilson with the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson has found a great target in him. And then with the Saints, Chris Olave is a, just a deep threat that can really move the ball downfield. So nothing wrong with this one. And now defensive rookie of the year. My pick was Aiden Hutchinson. Trevon Walker, too. Trevon Walker's been good. Aiden Hutchinson's been good. I had them at two and three. But there's one even player on the Jags that's better than Trevon Walker. And that's Devin Lloyd, who has appeared out of nowhere. Linebacker, who has played phenomenal. Uh, is already one of the best defensive players on this Jacksonville Jaguar defense. Got a couple interceptions, sacks, pressures. Kind of reminds me of a Devin Lloyd. He is all everywhere, everything, all at once. Uh, he is a tremendous talent. Great hustle. He's getting in there. He's part of a reason why the Jags already feel so much improved through four games. And that's why it's because of Devin Lloyd. Uh, and I have him there so far for defensive rookie of the year. So a quarter of the way through the season, those are my picks for the award season. So far, just a quarter of the way done. We'll update this again as we get to the halfway point. Now moving on to the NBA, where Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole, says he made contact uh, with his face, Jordan Poole there. Uh, so you have that. Uh, Draymond Green did apologize. To Jordan Poole, everybody's fine. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are looking at disciplinary action, whether it be a fine or a one-game uh, suspension. You know, what's been reported on, you know, is it had something to do with, you know, kind of the money that Jordan Poole has set it up to get how the Warriors are going to give him a, a generous contract extension and they might be letting Draymond play out uh, the rest of the year and have him wait to get his. And Draymond, you know, was not happy about that. He wanted to get paid now. So, to me, this is significant. Uh, some people are saying this is not significant at all. They're brothers, yada, yada, yada. But guess what? Draymond Green and Kevin Durant were brothers as well. They won championships together. And guess what? KD wanted to leave. Part of a reason was Draymond Green. Wasn't the whole reason, but part of the reason was Draymond Green's attitude, demeanor, how he acted. So, KD left. Now, you know, Draymond still looks fine because guess what? Since then, Draymond's won another championship. KD has not even been to the finals. But Draymond better not do this with Poole uh, because the Warriors were able to work out a great deal with KD in a sign and trade to still get assets and get younger uh, players right now. Uh, and I think right now if they have to choose Poole and Draymond, they tell Draymond to go. Yes, Draymond is a great piece for the Warriors, but this situation is different than KD. Poole is an up-and-coming star. Uh, they're worried more about his contract, obviously, than Draymond. Uh, and I think it would be stupid for the Warriors to let Draymond leave. Now, this is talking about free agency a year from now. But a lot of teams could benefit Draymond. So if this thing lingers, if it festers, which it could, if festered with KD, we could see a scenario where Draymond leaves the Warriors. I don't think it's out of the question. Could he join up with the Lakers, his good friend LeBron? Imagine a duo there, not him and LeBron, but Patrick Beverly and Draymond Green. Talk about a duo that would get under your skin like no one else's business. If you're the opposing team, if you're an opponent, you'll be like, do I really got to suit up tonight? Do I really got to get going? Because I'm going to have 
Draymond Green and Patrick Beverly talking trash to me. Uh, again, that's just my hypothetical I'm throwing out there. But to me, this punch is significant. Yes, they apologize and everything. But if Draymond leaves this offseason uh, and he doesn't get a contract extension that he values his fan, I might be looking that back to this is a big moment in that uh, you know saga right there as to why Draymond didn't get the extension he wanted because at times he's shown tendencies uh, that you know his antics you know is he worth it is he worth it and right now he is worth it but you're gonna get to a point where the antics the sideshow it's no longer worth it to the team, and that's what it's going to come down to. Now let's move on to baseball. Regular season is over. Baseball regular season is over. So before I get to my prediction, who I think will win the World Series, wrapping up my last final rankings for the postseason, my top five teams, of the 2022 season is number five, the New York Yankees. Yes, the 99-win team. Aaron Judge set the AL home run record. Congratulations to him. Great accomplishment. He was great all year. Stretches there where he carried the Yankees on his back. Garrett Cole also uh, broke the Yankees' strikeout record. Uh, most strikes in a season. So they got that going for him. Yankees are there at five. Number four, the New York Mets, one that has dropped, they were there at, you know, well, one to three spot all year until recently. But they are one of the four teams that have 100 wins, 101 to be exact. Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso will provide a lot of power, and they got DeGrom and Scherzer. They're a great team. Number three, the Atlanta Braves. They said bye-bye to Freddie Freeman. Thought there'd be a little uh, hangover for the Atlanta Braves since they won a championship. And there was from the first half. Just looked all right. Trade deadline comes. They pick up some key guys. Pitching gets better. The addition of Matt Olson uh, before the season to replace Freddie Freeman looked good. Atlanta Braves, still a great team. Number two, Houston Astros. Carlos Correa leaves. Oh, Alex Bredman, Jose Altuve are still there. Uh, Justin Verlander looks like he can win another Cy Young. How well he pitched this season. They are right there at two. Again, best team in the AL, 106 wins. Uh, they keep cruising like a machine. Number one, the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, 111 wins, only team to eclipse the 110 win mark. They were terrific. They got a formidable lineup to start off with Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman. Great left-handed pitching and a point plus or a run differential plus a 334. Best offensive team, best defensive team. Doesn't get much better than what the Dodgers had going this year. Which takes me to my postseason predictions. Who do I think is in a win the World Series? So let's get to it. Let's go through the wild card round, and we'll make our way to the World Series. Let's start with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Cleveland Guardians. I'm picking the Tampa Bay Rays to win this series, upset the Cleveland Guardians. Why? I think Cleveland has some has great bullpen, great pitching, but they don't hit a lot of home runs. Uh, out of the playoff teams, they have hit the least amount of home runs. So far, to me, that's a problem because in the postseason, especially not only do you need great pitching, but you need to be able to hit home runs because uh, it gets hard to, you know, double your way to four or five runs in the postseason with pitchers getting an extra day break where the pitching is better. So that, to me, is a concern for the Guardians, whereas the Rays, they have a postseason hero in Randy Rosarina, who's big time. I expect Wander Franco, who had a bad uh, season by his standards. I believe he'll play better. 
pitching. You got Corey Kluber with experience. Glass now is coming back from injury. So I think the timing for his pitching for Tampa Bay is right, and I trust her hitting more than Cleveland. That's why I have Tampa Bay upsetting Cleveland. Next, Seattle Mariners and Toronto Blue Jays in the other AL wildcard series. I'm picking the Toronto Blue Jays mainly because these three games for the wildcard, they're all at home. It's tough to go to Toronto, into another country, pull off the sweep for the Seattle Mariners. It's going to be tough. I like uh, Vladimir Guerrero, uh, Bo Bichette, you know, for them, those guys to get a going hit home runs. Yes, Seattle Mariners have a great home run star and uh, Julio Rodriguez, but I expect the Blue Jays to win this series. Philadelphia Phillies and St. Louis Cardinals moving over now to the NL wild card. I like the St. Louis Cardinals. They, to me, were one of the most steadiest teams this whole season. Not one of, you know, the best, the most flashiest, but they were one of the most steadiest. Paul Goldschmidt, uh, NL MVP candidate, uh, was, you know, in contention for hitting the NL Triple Crown at one point. Uh, I just like the steadiness there of St. Louis. I have them winning this series. Uh, to me, Philadelphia, great story. Fired their manager, Joe Girardi. Uh, really turned it around, played better. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper. But I don't see postseason success for an over the Phillies. I have the Cardinals. Then the other NL wildcard series, the San Diego Padres and the New York Mets. Oh, the San Diego Padres were hoping for a force of Manny Machado, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis. But no Fernando Tatis and just subpar pitching. Enter the Mets, who had the division lead for so long. Is that in their psyche? Is that going to get them upset here early? I don't think so. I think it's, you know, in the Queens, I think it'll be electric. DeGrom, Scherzer pitching. Edwin Diaz, one of the best closers in the game. Uh, and I think at least for this series, Pete Alonso and Lindor will show up and play great. I have a Mets winning the series. Now moving on to the divisional series, starting with the ALDS. The Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees, again, this does not recede. Still the worst team, you know, will technically can play the two seed, and the one seed has a harder matchup. Doesn't make sense totally, but that's the rules. So you have the Rays-Yankees. And the Rays, those past couple seasons, have been kind of like a Yankee killer. But the Rays have also had home field. I'm picking New York to win a tight series here in Game of Five. It's going to help that they have the additional time off, especially Aaron Judge. Uh, I think it's going to help him the most, who's played a lot. Uh, but the question is going to be, if they walk Aaron Judge, can the hitting get it going? I think in the Bronx it will. The Yankees won a close series there against the Rays. Blue Jays and Astros. Here we go. Familiar face, George Springer. Facing off against his former team, uh, some other players there from the Astros. I'm a Blue Jays familiar, but guess what? Houston is just better. I don't like it, but they are. Houston Astros win this. The depth of pitching, uh, the hitting, they can hit all over the place except for their catchers. Uh, Houston wins this one. Moving on to the NLDF. The St. Louis Cardinals are the Atlanta Braves again. St. Louis steady, great team. But I just don't think they can overcome and beat the Atlanta Braves. I just don't. I think the Atlanta Braves have too much depth. They showed that great team. They're young. uh, And they'll just beat the Cardinals. I don't know if the Braves will repeat. But the Braves are a much better team. And they're coming into this uh, postseason with a lot of momentum, just like they did last year. Now our other NLDF matchup, the Mets and the Dodgers, Series of Five. And I'm going with the upset here. I'm going with the Mets. Not just because I'm a Mets fan, but because I think the Mets can really shut down the Dodgers if DeGrom and Scherzer pitching just once. That's enough for me in the regular season. Uh, to me, the Mets looked really good against the Dodgers, could handle their hitters, especially their left-handed pitching. 
uh, the power of the Mets is right-handed in Lindor and Alonso. And the Dodgers have had a lot of great teams. And their only win was a pandemic year with no fans. So to me, Dave Roberts has never really been able to get it done in, you know, every other year outside of a pandemic uh, happening. So he's always come up short. He comes up short yet again. Mets upset the Dodgers. Now ALCS, Yankees and Astros, we get yet another version of this in the postseason, and it is the same outcome as the previous ones. The Houston Astros win why home field, Minute Maid Park is a tough place to play. The Astros just have the Yankees numbers. Astros this year, 5 of 7 against the Yankees. At the uh, Yankees never let any of those games. Uh, both wins for the Yankees were off walk-off hits by one Aaron Judge again who carried the team on his back. But the Astros did a good job of pitching him, uh, only hit around 150. Uh, Astros just have uh, an edge, a psychological edge against the Yankees, and just a team edge, a manager edge. So Houston Astros again beat the Yankees. And then the question mark becomes, will Aaron Judge sign with the Yankees or is he going to go somewhere else? Then in the uh, NLCS, you've got the Mets, Braves, two AL East teams going at it. And as much as I would love to say the Mets could win it, after a tough five series with the Dodgers, it kind of wears out. They play the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves, I think, beat them. Well, beat them handily. Uh, New York Mets then realized that they do need an Aaron Judge in that lineup, who is better than both Lindor and Alonzo combined to provide that much-needed oomph. They go out and sign him. That's bold prediction. Uh, but the Atlanta Braves yet move on. Sorry, New York Mets, but your consolation prize is Aaron Judge. Uh, Braves then have a World Series rematch with the Houston Astros. This does not come along often, but to me, these are still the two best teams in the uh, MLB, and the Astros get their revenge. Not only do they get their revenge on the Braves, but the Astros finally win a ring in a series that's untainted. Bregman, Altuve can say, hey, we won it clean. There was no cheating, no illegal findings in this one. We won it fair and square. Yes, baseball fans like myself will not like it. Some will not even still accept it. But that will be the sad outcome. Houston Astros win the World Series. That is my prediction. I'm sticking with it. I hope it's wrong. That's what I'm hoping for wrong. But in terms of objectivity, I think the Houston Astros will win the World Series. Now, just want to wrap up with a couple things. First, Live Golf can start to qualify for official golf world ranking points, which means there was all this discussion about Live Golf and, you know, players getting exemptions for majors. Uh, so, you know, Live Golf wanted uh, to align with the MENA tour, MENA tour. Uh, to kind of have some work around uh, against it, and it looked like it was going to start happening. But the official world golf ranking said no for now to live golf sort of sneaky work around. They want to uh, review it and see how legitimate this is because guess what? The points aren't going to work the same as for the PGA Tour uh, and things like that. Uh, you know, we also have to look at Mina Tours' uh, membership structure and everything like that. So there's a lot of things that goes into the World Golf ranking points. Uh, Liv just can't push aside their agenda. What they want to do, and that's what they are. Liv is full of bullies. The Shark, whatever his name is, I really don't like saying it, Greg Norman. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, the other player, Phil Mickelson has clearly sold his soul to the devil, uh, not just Greg Norman, the other devil, uh, in this tournament. So, you know, 
I just wish it would go away. I do. Uh, you know, it's like a fire. You just have to, you know, stamp it out, put it out. And that's what they got to do. We just got to put out Live Golf. The PGA has just got to put them out. Live is not a real tour. It's not real anything. It's just fun. It's like an amusement park. It's like the point of going is to go on a ride. You go on it. You go home. That's it. Uh, that's what it is. That's all live is. It's not real. It's fantasy. It's fake golf. It's not real. I could probably say that a hundred times in a row about live golf, but it's true. There's no structure there. There's no, you know, there's no thought process going into this uh, about world golf ranking points. And Greg Norman, it was just let's trying to steal as many good players as possible from them and give them as much money and, you know, give the big, you know, what of a PGA Tour. They didn't think about the ramifications of it. All the players did and They just looked at the check uh, and they were really smoothed there by uh, Greg Norman, to say the least. And my last point is about the great I shouldn't say the great, I should say the GOAT, Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi says that the 2022 World Cup with Argentina will be his last. Uh, he says he's already feeling some anxiety and nerves. Uh, there's now going to be, of course, there's already going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on Messi, but it's just, to me, puts the pressure on Messi and Argentina through the roof. Uh, you know, Messi tried to play it candid, but, you know, Argentina is just a favor because of its history, but he says he thinks for other teams that are above us. Well, Messi, thanks for the humility uh, in trying to do that because Messi, with at least uh, Argentina outside of PSG, he's been phenomenal. He has been truly, truly great. Argentina's been great. They have are in a run of 35 unbeaten matches. Uh, that is too short of the record Italy recently set, which was 37. Of course, Spain snapped that streak on him. But Argentina will most likely break Italy's record in the coming months uh, just against their uh, schedule that they have already starting next month, the World Cup, uh, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Poland. I don't expect them to lose any of those games. I expect them to pass. You know, Italy, Argentina is one of the favorites. Messi's kind of an old bet now, the leader. They got a lot of youth. Uh, Luis Fioli, their uh, manager, is also great. Uh, this Argentina team is really good. And the World Cup is right around the corner. Do I care about soccer outside of Ted Lasso? Usually no. But this World Cup is going to be great. You've got Messi's final World Cup. I think it's going to be Ronaldo's last World Cup as well. Uh, and then you got the juggernauts, the Brazils and the Frances. See how they fare. It's going to be great. That's something I'm looking forward to as well. Rooting for Argentina and Messi one last time. Another GOAT. So this has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.